I'm Stuart Beard. And I'm John Hassel. And you're listening to the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. John, it's good to see you. How are you? Yeah, it's good to see you too. I, I, I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, I am fine. It's very good to have you back here in the studio recording these podcasts in person once again. Yeah, it certainly is. And what a good topic we've got today. We're going to be talking about the M77. Yeah, and can't you believe when I check back in our records, we've never actually discussed the M77. Not just you know, as one topic now. Yeah. We've done bits of it. We've yep. spoken about the history, yep. you know, uh, and so on. But no, we're actually going to talk about the road as it is today and how it came about. Yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting topic. Um, as I say, not one we've, we've discussed in much detail before, so I'm sure mm-hmm. people will appreciate it. Uh, we'll be discussing the section from the original section up at Dumbrecht Road, all mm-hmm. the way down through the 1990s extension, through the extension down to Fenwick that was finished in 2005 and giving you a whole load of facts and figures and details and info all about that we do have some uh, unrelated questions that come in at the end of this so we're hoping to get to answer them if we have time yes it's been a while since we since we answered any listener questions so uh, yep i'm looking forward to what you've got for me i haven't pre-prepared <laughs> so uh, i hope i can answer them good yeah it's candid I like and it. Uh, yeah well we're at it i should say i, I hope everyone enjoyed last month's podcast our interview with chris um, I seem to go down very well. Well, uh, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was very good to get someone else's perspective uh, on the system. Yeah. So- someone who has a perspective similar to ours, but in another part of the UK. Yeah, absolutely. You know I yeah, mean? I think it turned out very well. And uh, I-, I can't wait for-, for us to be able to meet up in person and maybe do a follow-up. I think that would, be-, would be really good. Is yeah. there any? I- I'm going to put something to the listeners right now about guests. If you have an idea of somebody who you'd like us to interview or could be a great guest on the podcast, then please get in touch. Yeah, definitely. It's always good to hear your suggestions. Uh, you guys are listening to this. If there's things that we aren't covering you want to hear about, let us know. Let us know. Okay, on that note then... We should get fired right into it. Yes. So, the M77. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to tell you about a bit about the M77 for people who maybe don't know a lot about it. Okay. So, that is basically what was originally known in the highway plan for Glasgow as the Air Motorway. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a podcast on this several months ago on the Air Motorway and the history all around that. We're not talking about that this time. We're going to focus, as John said earlier, on the road as it is built. Yes. Okay. And as it's built, it connects the M8 at Junction 22 at Plantation, mm-hmm. all the way down to the A77 at the top end, the northern end of the A77 Kilmarnock Bypass. At the Meeklewood Junction. Yes. And as we know, that section was constructed in 1973, mm-hmm. and uh, there was various parts of history and things that have come since that delayed bits of it happening and we'll cover a wee bit of that in we, detail we as well. did speak just a, just a quick a77 thing here yep. we did talk a bit about the Kamarnock bypass we on did. our airshire road special so yes. check that out yeah definitely go back and check that one out because there was a lot of detail in that podcast it was, yeah. that was a really enjoyable one for us to do yeah it's a good topic yeah okay so m77 mm-hmm. as i said the story began in 1965 as part of the highway plan ultimately only one section of the road that was uh, envisaged within the highway plan, went ahead. And that was the Dumbreck Road connection. Now, today, you would find that between the M8 at Junction 22 and Junction 1 at Dumbreck Road. So Mm. that short stub of dual carriageway um, that was constructed was really a sort of a scaled-down version of the air motorway. Mm. Now, construction in that actually began in 1979, the ramps for it over the M8, so uh, at Plantation Ramp A and C as we know them, uh, they were constructed as part of the Renfrew Motorway. So they were actually completed in the autumn of 1976, 
But you couldn't use them. You couldn't use them. They went unused for five years. Okay, so that was all done as pre-works because they knew they they were looking to extend some kind of road towards Ayrshire uh, that would allow traffic to bypass Newton Merns and Pollock Shaws and all these places in the south side that were heavily trafficked, even in the 60s and 70s, by traffic heading for the south, Mm -hmm. you know, for Ayrshire, for the southwest. Okay, so that was really the, the, the main driving force behind the need for what is now the M77. Okay. So the Dumbreck Road connection comes along. Initially, it was going to be four lanes in each direction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they knew there would be a lot of traffic using that. But as uh, as money tightened and as, as public perception started to turn against motorways, particularly urban motorways, they scaled it back to basically what became an all-purpose dual carriageway. Mm-hmm. We know that ended on a roundabout at Dumbreck Road. Yeah. Now, that section opened in August of 1981, and I believe actually it was the 5th of August, 1981. Mm-hmm. And it was designed by Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick, just like the Renfrew Motorway. Uh, you know, they were continuing their, their commission there. Mm-hmm. And really, you could say that the Dumbreck Road connection was the last of the original motorways in Glasgow to open to traffic. Yeah. You know, you think of that spell of construction that started in 1965. Yeah. It actually ended in 1981. Mm-hmm. With the the completion of the Dumbreck Road connection, so the some, something here is just going to clear something up. Um, we're, we're talking about you know we are saying this road was kind of like a dual carriageway, but it was on it was a motorway, so to speak. It just wasn't really openly referred to as the M seventy seven at that point because it was so incredibly short. But the only way you could get to it was from the M eight, and if you were joining at Dumbreck, you were only going to end up on the M eight. So therefore, it actually was a motorway. So it did co- come into come into effect at that point. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Mm. Uh, and and you'll remember that the, the, in, the initial commission uh, that, that Scott Wilson had when they were revising it, because they had already done an outline design for what was the air motorway, when they were revising it for the Breck Road connection, they were told that they were to make it look as though there was no intention to extend the motorway southwards. Yeah, so just put a flat there. roundabout. Don't yeah. have something which is like flared carriageways and yep. ramps that were going to go somewhere. But at the same time, they were also told that they were to allow for it to be extended southwards yeah. in the future. It was all about the look of it. They didn't want it to be obvious that it was going to continue. Mm-hmm. So no one used slip roads or spurs or anything like that. Uh, you know, it just ended on a flat roundabout, as John says. And from 1981 until 1995, that was basically the, the situation. We had two yeah. lanes in each direction, no hard shoulders. But am I right in saying that the the section just now between Dumbreck and Plantation, although it's dual two lanes, are, 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 yes, there is a at the moment there is an auxiliary lane southbound that makes it That's right. makes it three. But it was allowed. It was built in such a way that it could be widened. Yeah. So they basically they left enough space on the, along that section that hard shoulders or running lanes could be added at a later date. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't made to look like that. It was big thick grass verge. Um, but there was enough space between the retaining walls and over some of the structures that would allow for this additional lane to be added in. And as you see on the southbound direction, uh, between uh, Plantation and Junction 1, they added that extra running lane in advance of the M74 opening to traffic because they knew there was going to be an incredible amount of traffic coming off the M74 heading down the M77. Mm -hmm. Uh, Likewise, northbound, they added a hard shoulder um, as far as the railway bridge coming north, so as part of the, the extension south from Dumbreck Road, which we'll discuss in a moment, they added hard shoulders to, to the rest of the route, uh, you know, just to be, to bring it up to motorway standards. I mean, that, that short length of dual carriageway was... Motorway, it was under motorway regulations. Yeah, but it wasn't almost, it wasn't motorway spec. That's is, right. Is the term we, yeah, we so that's, like to that's the kind of crucial thing there. Uh, and, and we know that it was it was referred to as M77 at that time, mm-hmm. uh, but all the signage was like M77 slash M8 or brackets M8 because yeah. you couldn't go anywhere else mm-hmm. you know, if you were heading north. It was a spur. 
Yeah. It was a spar. Yeah, there was no doubt about that. It was a spar. And it helped traffic a bit. But ultimately, you were only ever really going to get the benefits from that if it was extended southwards. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately after the completion of the Dumbreck Road connection, people were already starting to call on Strathclyde Regional Council to, to work to extend it southwards. So what did you do before this, right? So you you uh, you were put at Dumbreck, and what did you have to do? Take Kilmarnock Road, or you'd have to go and kind of fight your way? Yeah, basically, you turned left. If you came off the roundabout, um, at Dunbreck Road, you had to turn left, go along Dunbreck Road, head back to Pollock Shaw's Road, and then drive down the A77 from there. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't a shortcut at all. I mean, it was taking you away from the, from you know some of the busier sections of the A77, to, you know, just south of the city centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, around about like the, uh, what's what's the area? You know where the Shell Garage is, and 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 there's. I, I can visualise yeah. what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but yep. you know the actual district. All, all around about there. What's Strap? Uh, I was going to say Strap Bungle, but it's not. That's much further south, but another area that would have been affected by it mm-hmm. uh, you know so in, in those general areas like Govan Hill Govan you know, Hill yeah. yeah so all around that area um, you know where the traffic flows were really high so the Dunbreck Road connection kind of bypassed that section and that mm-hmm. was about it okay okay uh, now contractor information uh, for this section actually I said 5th of August earlier. it's the 7th of August so oh you're out by two yes. days we're going to need to stop and re-record I know I correct <laughs> myself on that one we'll edit it out <laughs> yeah right. and the contractor in this one was our old friend Watling's construction okay so again they, they're the guys that done a lot in the inner ring yeah, road they did they did indeed uh so you know usual contractor so as i say it was the last of the uh the kind of main original motorway contracts in glasgow okay, okay so anyway as i said almost as soon as it opened people started saying hang on when are we getting the rest of this but strathclyde had already given a commitment at that stage that they weren't going to extend the road any further mm-hmm. hence the design choice to make it look as it was a permanent you know terminus mm-hmm. uh, even though we know the engineers on the other hand had said, yeah, allow for a wee bit of movement if need be. So the politicians have said, no, no, no more urban motorways. We're not going to go through Pollock Park or anything like that. It's not going to happen. But traffic growth was phenomenal yeah. at that time. We're talking about the 80s yeah. here, you know, when we've seen a huge boom in it. Yep. You know, this is when the network started to suffer. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, in particular, the roads heading south because people go to Ayrshire uh, for, you know, people going to the coast. You know, Prestwick Airport movement of goods. Prestwick Airport yeah. became, you know, a, a, an important place. Yep. Um, there were calls from Ayrshire politicians initially to get the M77 built or get mm-hmm. a new road of some kind built because people would come up from here or Kilmarnock or any of the, the other districts down there and they would get to Newton Mearns. Now, coming off the E77, as again, as we'll discuss a bit later, wasn't exactly a great road. However, when you got to Newton Mearns, you were basically chucked onto an urban section of wide single carriageway. Yeah. There were some dual carriageway sections as well. And you then crawled for miles, for about five miles, you know, from there towards the city centre. Mm-hmm. Total nightmare, you know. I, I, we know congestion was bad. We know the accident rates on those surface streets was also bad. Mm. And eventually, the commitment came from Strathclyde Regional Council, working with the Scottish office, because affordability-wise, the project, you know, couldn't be delivered by them on their own. Um, they said, okay, yeah, let's start looking into how we can extend this road south. And they were very vague initially about what form the road would be in. Mm. You know, was it going to be dual carriageway? Was it going to be motorway? And because of the perception of motorways, they didn't mention that too they widely. They were clever with how they named the scheme, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, they were. So they, they referred to it as the air road route. Yes, because route is nice and vague, yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. It could be anything. So that didn't yeah. that didn't immediately you know generate any opposition. Mm-hmm. or, you know, immediate concerns. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. You weren't using M77. Absolutely. You weren't saying yeah. motorway. Yeah. Certainly as things started to become a bit clearer and it was obvious that the, the road would have to skirt around the, the western edge of Pollock Park, Pollock Park. people then obviously started to become a bit more concerned. But before all that kicked off, there was a whole other process you know, that they went through. So from about 1986-87, Holford and Associates, who we've spoken about many times before for you know, the architectural uh, input and, and landscaping design and the like, they were commissioned by Strathclyde to look into how the road could fit in with the landscape the best it could. And uh, we've got a number of photo records and surveys and things, you know, done by them between that period, between 86 and 88, that's taking photos. And so it's at the late end. 80s. This yeah. was really coming about is we're going to need to build something here. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. So the, they, were, they were making a bit of progress on that. Okay. And there's a number of photos and artist impressions and the like. They even built some models uh, showing what Junction 3 and Junction 2 would look like, you know, some 3D models of that, as well as, as I said, the artist's impressions, just trying to get a picture in mind. It, it was immediately clear to Strathclyde that they wanted no more than two lanes in each direction. Some of the other junctions that were proposed in the air motorway that had come about as part of the highway plan or the Greater Glasgow Transportation Study, they were shelved completely. So, like, between Junction 1 and 2 as we know it now, there was going to be another junction about halfway along that would have connected where a road ultimately heading for Paisley. Paisley Expressway. Yep, yep. That had all been scrapped before then, so there was no need for that. Likewise, other connections to the, the Glasgow uh, the Southern Road, there was the Motherwell to Paisley Motorway, that had all been cancelled by this stage as well, so there was no need to provide additional junctions for that. Yeah. So really, it was going to be this bare minimum road. Okay, they knew mm -hmm. they were going to have grade-separated junctions. Because it was going to be a motorway. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and eventually I think it was admitted that, yeah, this, this road would be as well to be a motorway because there was adequate provision alongside for you know for, for non-motorway vehicles yeah. you know the e77 or the other routes around about there you know provided a good alternative this was a new road and a new corridor therefore you could justify motorway i can see yeah it's clever now they, they they went about it yeah so as we start heading into the 90s and this becomes a reality mm -hmm. what really then um we 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 know the story of what happens to a degree between us here Stuart, and some people who are listening to this podcast certainly will remember the a70 m77 being constructed and some of the uh events surrounding that construction phase so what 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 started to happen in the 1990s where people started to, to realise? What was there, was there a bit of a public backlash initially, or was it only until it went to site? There, there was some public backlash initially. Now, we know that the project itself went through public inquiry in the very early 90s, mm -hmm. um, possibly even the late 80s. That's still something we have to firm up on. So if somebody can confirm when the public local inquiry for the M77 air road route was, that would be very helpful. But we know it was round about that time. Mm. And we know that it, that it passed that. That, that, that. At that time, there, there might have been some concerns, but there was certainly no direct action, mm -hmm. you know, like what came later. The, the main reason for the road taking so long to get built was funding. Um, you know, there was a lot of disagreement between Strathclyde Regional Council and the Scottish Office about funding levels. Now, with the setup that existed at that time, Strathclyde Regional Council were responsible for all motorways within the old Glasgow city boundary. So at that time, the M8 from Bailston through to Hillington, the M80 Steps Bypass, uh, you know, other sections, they were Strathclyde's responsibility. And really, because they were not trunk roads, it was their responsibility to build them. Mm -hmm. And I think the original idea that the Scottish office had was that Strathclyde would build the section from Dumbreck Road down to Junction 3, basically just shy of the city boundary, and the Scottish office would then pay for the section from then on. Mm -hmm. But Strathclyde fought back and said, "Well, no, we don't have enough money to build this. If you want it, you're going to have to, you know, come up with, with some some funding." And there was a lot of discussion about how it would be delivered. And, and one of the ways that that happened was Strathclyde started to let a number of advanced contracts. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of contracts let for earthworks, drainage, 
embankments, you know, all those sorts of things, even some amendments to the local road network. We believe even that the bridge over Whitecap Water was built in advance because it then provided access to the north and south of the site at the river, at the Whitecap Water. All these things happened in the early 90s, so that by the time in 1995, when they finally let the construction contract to Wimpy, um, mm-hmm. and it was a design and build contract, which meant they brought in their own, their own designers, so Strathclyde did some basic design and, and the rest of the design was done by Babti. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time that contract was let, all Wimpy really were doing were building a road on a pre-prepared corridor. Mm-hmm. So that explains that very short construction period. So construction began in June of 1995, mm-hmm. and the road opened in the 6th of December 1990. uh, 1996. Yes, that's correct. The, you're saying, you know, a very short construction time. Yeah. And that that is pretty short, considering... Sections of this uh, are quite urban. There's also a section through uh, which goes around the side of Pollock Park. Yeah. Right. Um, so that that's quite remarkable in the sense they've managed to do it in that time, considering the events that happened early on within the construction phase. Yeah. Which will which will <clears throat> which will start to talk about. Yeah. So obviously there were a number of people who were very unhappy at the proposal to build a new motorway, particularly due to the impact of it on Pollock now, Park. Now this was. Different from an earlier protest, wasn't it? Because they weren't demol- were they demolishing houses? No, no. For this, there, there was it no was... real property demolition involved right. in the air road route because it was it was going through almost like a quite a green area, yes. wasn't it? From, yeah. And, but uh, the people say through the park. It doesn't go through the park. Yeah. It goes around the outside of the park. Yeah. But still within the park. Still within technically within the park. Yeah. And if you if you think to that period in the early to mid nineteen nineties, there was a huge campaign against road building. Mm-hmm. across the UK. Well, it started with, yeah, like to Twyford Down and yeah. you had uh, Newbury Bypass yeah. and in London they were moaning. And, yeah. and, and, and the people who were against the M77 were influenced heavily by protests elsewhere and ultimately helped and assisted by, by those people. It led to the creation of a group called Pollock Free State. Okay. Um, people who were bitterly opposed to the construction of the M77 uh, and, and they decided to build a camp mm-hmm. uh, on the line of the motorway uh, in an attempt to, to delay it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people were climbing into trees and, and tying themselves to trees and the like. D- direct action. Basically. It was it was direct action, very much in the theme, as you say, of the early nineteen nineties, mid nineteen nineties kind of direct action. I mean, and, and it was quite severe yeah. in some cases. I mean, we've heard stories that the protesters were were, were in some cases there, there was a bit of arson that was going on on yeah. site. Yep. Uh, they even broke into Strathclyde's offices. Yep. Uh, the design offices there. Uh, you know, all kinds of things. People kind of sitting under machinery and so on, trying to hamper yeah. uh, the contractors very much at the early stages of trying to get it done. Yeah. So so what did they do about these protesters? Well, ultimately, I, I believe private security were brought yeah. in by the contractor to clear the site once the compulsory purchase orders and the like were confirmed. The, the ownership mm-hmm. of the land passed to the, to the Scottish office and the contractor were ultimately responsible for that and, and the protesters were cleared from the site and construction was able to proceed more or less without incident. Yeah, um, there was something else that was going on politically at the time, and I believe it was a new public order act that had come in. I don't, I, I do remember reading about this that yeah. people were also unhappy with that because this okay. legislation was being used to to, to, to do you know, that. move, move yeah. people. Along. I I couldn't confirm that one way or the other. I, I must admit that's not something that, that that I've read up on. But you mm. you could well be right. Again, if anyone listening has any detail on that, let us know. It'd be nice to fill that gap. It's in with it's very much within people's memory. This uh, of the M seventy seven being built and all the the protesters and yeah. stuff like. Oh, that. it is. Yeah. Now you you said as well, very much buoyed by movements elsewhere. Mm. Not necessarily a huge amount of locals maybe getting involved in this. But you're saying there's quite a lot of people from maybe other parts of the United Kingdom, people from down south yeah. who are who are maybe influenced 
influencing this? That, yes, I think some of the influence was definitely external. However, there was a, a significant proportion of people from local areas like Pollock and... Moss Cun- Park. Yeah, Cunwadric, places like that. You know, yeah. areas adjacent to the motorway. Uh, you know, where, where there had not been a road before, we're suddenly going to have a motorway, you mm-hmm. know, trundling past their house. Uh, and the noise and whatnot that would that would come with that. Yeah. Uh, whether the motorway was right or wrong is is a debate that, that, that others can you know can have between themselves. No, let's have it here, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> let's have it right now. No, um, but it's, it's one of those situations, yeah. uh, you know. And, and you're never going to convince someone that their argument is wrong or right or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to try and balance the, mm-hmm. the the advantages and the disadvantages. And that, and unfortunately, Strathclyde Regional Council were left in that very difficult position where they had people in the south of Glasgow complaining about their kids getting run over on the A77 and the congestion mm. there. And the poor air pollution because yeah. you had HGVs exactly. going up the A77. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and on the other side of the coin, you had people who were very concerned about the effect that a brand new road was going to have on what was a historic park, and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a location which, which is a Which is a very valid yeah. point. Yeah. But, you know, we look at these things and there is so much more air pollution that you get from putting this type of strategic traffic on city centre streets. Yeah. Stuck at lights, Indeed. stuck in queues. Well, actually, with a little sacrifice of the park, you know, you you could put them on a motorway to have almost, you know, this free flow. Yeah. Now, anyone listening who uses a seventy-seven goes, well, "Free flow? What are you talking about? I get yeah. stuck on this every single day." Yeah. And that that's we can, we can have a different discussion about our opinions on the road yeah. as it is, but it is tremendously overloaded. I, I would be surprised if anyone now looking back would disagree that the road didn't bring some benefit mm. with it. Because yeah. a, like the A77 in particular was traffic calmed after the M77 opened. You know, there was there was new parking laybys and cycleways and things have been brought in, particularly in the the East Renfrewshire section to yeah. the south, where it was already a kind of dual carriageway road. You know, they were able to narrow that down to one lane. Mm. There were other things that were brought in on the A77 corridor through Polk Shaw's, past the Shaw's Arcade, you know, these sorts of locations where, where things have been done. And although these roads are busy today, they aren't as they, they still aren't as busy as they were pre-1996. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from a traffic point of view, from a from a user point of view, from an accident point of view, things mm. are from much the, better. Yeah. But I'm sure if you were to ask someone who lived adjacent to the motorway around about Nets Hill... Who, you know, where the M77 wasn't there and yeah, suddenly it's there. And now they have 60, 70,000 vehicles a day going past and there's associated noise and pollution and stuff that comes with that. They mm. might well feel that actually things are worse for them now. It's, it's one of these... It's one of these projects that divides, still divides opinion, I think. But I think there's clear, there has been a clear benefit from its construction. Yes. Yeah. And I, access to to facilities such as Silverburn as well. well you know, yeah, you can I mean, see that these things came along and, yeah. and, and provided a kind of an access from people from Ayrshire to get there and people from the city centre as well. The, the only problem with these developments that have come since, and I'm thinking of the vast sprawl of Newton Mearns and Cow Glen and Pollock mm-hmm. and all these areas like Silverburn and some of the other developments that have sprung up, mm-hmm. these are commuter generators, mm-hmm. these things. Or in the case of Silverburn, they, they generate car trips because they're designed for people who drive to visit shopping centres with free parking and things like that. Yeah. And what that has done, in a way, is overloaded the M77 mm-hmm. at times. Made it so, too convenient. Too convenient, yeah. yeah. And, and it may surprise some people that the last time I, I looked at some of the traffic flow figures... That the M77 between Junction 1 and 2 was busier than parts of the M74 between Junctions 1 and 2A. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... Do you know yeah. what, what does it as well? I mean, if you have a place where the public transport is poor, 
Mm. Uh, and I know in the south side you got like the Cathcart Circle and things like yeah. that. But particularly, I found when I worked and I wasn't driving in in the Silver Silverburn area in that shopping centre. Yeah. What a nightmare to get there on public transport. Unless you drive, you're stuffed. Yeah. You know, and I know that you know the bus station. I'm hoping is a lot better than what it was. But yeah, you know, it doesn't I mean, help with these some, things. Some of, another benefit that kind of came from it was the growth of interurban coach travel. Mm-hmm. Because it allowed people, you know, commuting in from Ayrshire, from North Ayrshire in particular, um, you know, to consider using the bus to get to work in Glasgow. Um, because the know, motorway was there. Yeah. It, they could just go, right, no stops, just go from Prestwick yeah. all the way to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, that was enhanced further by the extension south, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, you mm-hmm. know, it, it kind of int- introduced additional options or, you know, okay. modes. It made them a bit more uh, reliable, okay. you know, in terms of using them to get to work. Well, uh, on this section, this air road route section, so we're talking from Dunbreck all the way out towards um, just, well, shy of Junction 5, so where it goes up the hill. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the most beautiful motorways we have in terms of how well it's landscaped. Yeah. And it's maintained. It's, and I, yeah. I know that this was this was a kind of a prerequisite of its construction. Is oh, yeah. that when you're making this, it needs to look good. Yeah. And it's also it, there's large earth buns and embankments. Yeah. It's quite well hidden. It's very sympathetic to its surroundings. Yeah. Particularly around the park, and I'll even the sections south of the park are still treated very well mm-hmm. in terms of the, the landscaping and and the fact, as you see, they're in cuttings and there are earth buns and things to try and reduce noise and the visual impact of it. There's many places you can stand, you know, just a few metres away from the motorway. You wouldn't know it was there visually. You know, you just don't mm-hmm. see it. And I, and I believe in the statistics there, I was looking at it earlier, I think actually they planted double the number of trees that were actually removed they, to they, allow for the construction. I, I can attest for that because uh, through the joy of my work, I've spent on um, some of these embankments on the 77 <laughs> and the, the, the level of cover with the trees that are now yeah. quite, you know, quite old. Oh, yeah, now, well, 25 you know, years on, you know. You know, it, it's 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 massive. It's almost like a woodland uh, yeah. Yeah, between, between them. The, the, the verge areas and the boundaries are very, very large. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so, you know, so there, there, there were some benefits. From yeah, that, come with that side of things, from an ecological point of view, so whereas the original construction obviously was was quite painful for many because of the effect that it had. One thing, uh, just before we move on to the the, the next section, yeah. is uh, while direct action we were talking was very much a thing of the nineteen nineties, it's now kind of back. Yeah, and I'm not sure if anyone has looked at the news in terms of high speed too, mm-hmm. but the same um, elite disruptors let's call them that, uh, have moved in on that site as well, tunnelling underneath and, and doing all kinds of things to try and hinder the contractors and, you know, yeah. um, hit the taxpayer with higher costs for all these things. But there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it does. Somebody has to pay for, for the yeah. removal and, uh, and make sure it's safe to do so. So it's kind of happening again, but this time it's over a railway. Yeah, I know, which is, which is rather unusual in itself. I thought um, railways were green then. Yeah, there are some concerns about the carbon footprint of, the, of, of High Speed 2, I think, and there are some who, who believe that it will never actually be carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends I how you generate the electricity for it, depends yeah. on what's concrete you do. Yeah. suppose yeah. if they weren't tunnelling halfway under the Chilterns to yeah. to uh, put all these tunnels in, then maybe it would cost a lot less, and, but you never uh, know. You know, that's it, that's... that's We'll save it for the High Speed 2 podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah, but what my, my overall point is uh, direct action it went away for a while, but it could come back with, with future road building. Yeah, people get like upset that. about transport projects. They but always have done. It's only know. one. It's the only. I think, one, apart from maybe the A68, one of their bypasses, it was one of the only examples in Scotland where we actually had direct action yeah. protests yeah. Um, going on everywhere else. It, it was uh, protests through a more 
um, I don't know, legislative. Which means. is what the M74 completion had ultimately. You know, there yeah. was no direct action there, but there was a lot of protest leading up to the, the yes, start of construction. Exactly. Yeah, which um, kind of fizzled away. Yeah, okay. So. The next section. So the, it sat like this from the end of 1996 until basically 2005. So what yeah. happened when you were dumped off after Newton Mairns? You were, you, yeah. You would remember this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you would, you would come up, so if you're heading south, you would come up the hill. You're on this uh, lovely straight section of motorway. Oh, and by the way, the, the gradient of the section between Junction 3 and 4 mm-hmm. is one of the steepest on any motorway in the UK. Mm-hmm. And well, that's where the climbing lane is. Yeah, Probably rivaled by the M90 yeah. uh, at, at some sections, but I know. Yeah, yeah. so they, they stuck a climbing lane in there, obviously, and I think it was I, I think it's pretty good that they, they oh, did that. Oh, it's a fantastic thing. Yeah, yeah, because it would have been really slow moving through there if they hadn't. And it is the only section that's actually three lanes when you, you know, so Three lanes of, uh, in one direction, yeah. yeah. So for Junction 1. Uh, which compared with the air motorway, which we're not talking about here, which was a far, far higher spec mm. specified road yeah. in terms of number of lanes and stuff. You should go back and listen to that podcast Absolutely. and get all the, the detail on what might have been. Yes, that'll really cheer you up when you're stuck yeah. in traffic. Yeah. Okay, so south of Newton Mearns, mm-hmm. you, you would come along the motorway and then all of a sudden you were chucked onto this single carriageway road, which was four lanes wide with a double white line up the middle. Yeah, so dual carriageway, but without the central reservation. Yeah, now yeah. We're, we're not really here to talk about the A77 because we've discussed that before. But basically, the road from here to the Kilmarnock bypass was a death trap. Yeah, its safety record was one of the worst uh, of any road in the UK and definitely in Scotland. And there had been calls for its upgrade since at least the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the initial intention was that the uh, Kilmarnock Expressway uh, would be extended northwards. And it would just be an all-purpose dual carriageway that would link in with the extended motorway. And if you look at the highway plan or the Greater Glasgow Transportation Study, they all kind of show that. That the motorway was always going to end just south of Newton Mearns and it would continue as just a normal dual carriageway from there. Okay. Yeah. Now, a whole raft of reasons, Strathclyde Region not considering it a priority, arguing with the Scottish office that, that it should be them who was funding it and taking it forward. Nothing really happened through the 70s or the 80s. Mm-hmm. However... As we got into the 90s, and they had finally accepted that they were going to extend the motorway to Newton Mearns, they started to look into extending the road further, removing that final section of single carriageway road. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the 90s, the Scottish office commissioned a number of people to do studies to see how that should come about. So this is out with Strathclyde yes. now. Yeah. yeah, because A77 was a trunk road and it was out with the Glasgow City boundary, they led on this. Strathclyde had input into it, clearly, uh, but they weren't they weren't responsible for its delivery. Hmm. And eventually what was decided was that rather than just build a dual carriageway, an online upgrade of the existing road, you could really lock in the benefits and 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 improve connectivity and and journey time reliability and whatnot by building a new section of road, in this case a motorway, Mm -hmm. let's extend the motorway south, and retain the A77 as a parallel distributor road. So yeah. there you're removing it, the need to have a separate road for, you know... For, so you've got the corridor yeah. there, the roads are there. And yeah. it was stated as well that there was a lot of agri- agricultural traffic and cyclists and, and yeah, people like that. It's rural. I mean, it goes yeah. under the Fennec Moor. Oh, yeah. yeah. So rather than have a dual carriageway that would then encourage tractors and farm vehicles and all these things onto it, which could then create safety problems, uh, basically the justification was there to build an all-new road that was reserved mm-hmm. for motorway traffic only and that would leave the side roads to be converted to, to cycleways yes. and farm vehicles could use it you know with it anyway. so get the blue pen out jolly yeah. good uh, yeah basically yes yeah and uh, by the mid-1990s 1995 they were sitting more or less with a finished design ready to go 
Okay. And uh, at the same time, there had been another project that had been on the books for many, many years, and I think we mentioned this back in uh, December, was the Eaglesham Bypass. So this was a road to bypass Eaglesham and remove that Fenwick Moor Road. Mm-hmm. Because that was a very busy road at this time from East Kilbride across to Kilmarnock. Yeah. But it was very poor in the winter. It did not have a lot of resilience against snow and poor weather conditions, high winds, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and the village of Eaglesham, which is a conservation area and has been for a long, long time, the people there fought hard for a bypass. Yeah, because it was sick of all this traffic yeah, coming through. Exactly. It, yeah. And what developed alongside that became what we now know as the Glasgow Southern Orbital Route. Mm-hmm. A seventy six. Yeah. Now, that was taken forward. Strathclyde Region did some initial development on that, and then it was eventually taken forward by East Renfrewshire Council and South Warwickshire Council mm-hmm. as, the, as the successor authorities to Strathclyde. So what we eventually sat with was that was in the late 90s, we had a proposal for an M77 extension and a proposal for a Glasgow Southern Orbital route from uh, Newton Mearns across to East Kilbride. Great. Okay. So let's get it built. Yeah, let's get it built, but... Unfortunately, mm-hmm. political changes come along. So the change of government in 1997 led to a roads review. The introduction of devolution in 1999 then changed the whole way that roads were administered and the construction of them. And it was only in November of 1999 that the new Scottish executive confirmed that they would proceed with the construction mm-hmm. of that road and that it would be taken forward as a design, build, finance and operate type scheme, which basically means it was PFI. Yes. It was a PFI, privately financed scheme. Yeah. So um, private, you know, it's paid for privately, yeah. and then you pay it back over years with a company maintaining it. Yeah, yeah. Like a mortgage for a road. Yeah. So yeah. through 2000 and 2001, East Renfrewshire Council, as the lead authority on this scheme, prepared all the documentation, uh, got everything approved and signed off, and then went to tender. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, the, the construction contract was awarded to Connect, which was a joint venture of Balfour Beatty and Atkins. Mm-hmm. So the big designer, Atkins and Balfour Beatty, who of course we all know. Big and contractor. not yeah. only were they going to construct the two roads, the GSO and the M77, they were also going to maintain them for a period of 30 years yeah. as well. So that's everything, your winter maintenance, you're yes. filling in your potholes, you're, right. you're picking up the layer. Yeah. yeah, and the construction of that began in late 2003. Mm-hmm. And by April 2005, 27th of April 2005, <laughs> almost Good. 16 years ago. Well remembered. Yep. They were able to open these two new roads and the tra- basically transportation between uh, Kilmarnock and Glasgow changed overnight. It was much safer for yeah. one. Uh, as for as for journey time, I mean that our road was kind of a sixty mile an hour limit, and that's yeah. seventy. I I had the misfortune of using the old E seventy seven on a few occasions in wet weather mm. in the dark. It was horrible i remember there being fog issues on yeah. it now i don't think i was driving when it was there because i needed my license until what 2005 2006 yeah, or yeah. something like that uh, but i remember being driven on it um so it was a horrible piece yeah, of yeah I, I i thought it was unusual to and, say the least and it had bends and it had accesses in and off it and, and into farms and not, it and wasn't stuff. all two lanes in each direction it wasn't this s4 no. it, some of it was s3 yeah so there was a suicide lane down the middle yeah you know uh which, which had equal priorities and things and there was yeah as you say but, by the time they decided to extend the motorway the, the shared middle lane had long been taken did, away yeah did and they I not bet you had like two lanes in one direction and one in the other two plus one which is yeah. modern yeah 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 mm-hmm. uh, but by by the time we would have been using it that certainly was gone and if there's mm-hmm. anybody listening can remember when that shared middle lane was the priorities mm-hmm. were closed off or you know to uh, given to one direction over the other, let us know. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Originally, there were sections with the suicide lane in the middle, which is just a nightmare, mm. absolute nightmare. And so many people died on that road unnecessarily, you yeah. could say. And uh, 
but we got the motorway and I remember using the motorway for the first time when it opened and it was night and day with what was there before nice long straight bit of road proper junctions Mm -hmm. uh, you know you had uh, variable message signage warnings all the rest of it it was it was night and day brilliant and you know what the nice thing is it ties in very nicely at Meeklewood which is the top end of the Kilmarnock bypass and then you actually go from yeah grade separated motorway to a grade separated dual carriageway and, uh, you know, in fairness, over a whole route thing for the 77 until you get down towards air, it's yeah. lovely. Because you the Kilmarnock Bypass was built to very high standards It was, so it, yeah. all, it all tied in. And mm-hmm. like I said, the first time you actually hit a roundabout isn't way down till whatever it is. Um, uh, Moncton, not Moncton. Moncton. Yeah, Moncton. Is it Moncton? Yeah. That's what it's mm-hmm. called, yeah. yeah. So um, what do you think of the route in terms of how it looks, about how it's landscaped and how it looks? Because I think it's quite scenic up there. It is very scenic. Even the section over the moor yeah. uh, where there aren't a lot of trees and things like that, it's still a fairly scenic bit of road to drive. I always you know, think it's, it's like driving on Mars up there. Yeah. That was funny. The only thing is with it, and uh, we need Nick here for this, it's a heck of a racetrack, uh, that road. Right, you know? okay. Uh, I, I couldn't comment on that. Well, any time I've been up there, I do, I do see people <laughs> driving really quickly along that road. I, they're either trying to get to Ayrshire quickly or get out of Ayrshire very quickly. I don't know what they're doing, but it's it's a, a fast road is what I'm saying. Yeah. But... Um, no, as you say, you know, night and day for anyone yeah. who was using that. Yeah, it's and it still continues to perform very well. Very well to, to this day. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, yes, some traffic issues on the on the northern sections, as we say, as you approach the city centre, uh, usually in the morning peak, although obviously in the last year or two that hasn't been an issue. Uh, the traffic flow has been much lighter. That, that, that's it. So, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about overall the route performance and the traffic on it just now, I have often seen the M77 as this weak link and it suffered when this M74 was plugged in. Yeah. Um, particularly, and another lane was added southbound, wasn't it? An auxiliary yeah. lane between Plantation and Debrecht. So, you know, the, the, the levels of traffic that go through there now yeah. are well in excess of what a dual two-lane motorway can oh, indeed, take. Yeah. Yes, and, and that know. comes back to why in the original air motorway proposals they knew the weaving that would be occurring in there, yeah. which is why they probably had dual four lanes for sections of it. In section, I mean, if I'm looking at it with just, just from a pure um, traffic and engineering point of view, looking yeah. at it now, really these sections between one... Uh, or, or or zero, if you call it plantation, yeah. all the way down to Darnley should probably be yeah. three or four I, lanes. I, I, I would agree with you on that from a traffic point of from view. A, very much a traffic point yeah. of view. Now, if we can look at how that fits in, you might find that mm, here's a challenge yeah. because uh, it would suddenly lose some of its aesthetic. Yeah. So what do we do here? Do we take away the hard shoulders, turn them into running lanes? Do we do we look at a, a bus-type system, a, a bus lane system, which was mooted yeah. but then got killed? Um, so they, they have looked at it before, but I find it an incredibly congested route at peak times. Yeah, I think I think going forward, let's be honest, everything's up in the air at the mm. moment. No one knows what the recovery from COVID-19 is going to look like. Well, I've seen the recovery over the last three weeks from a traffic perspective, and yeah. it's getting very busy again. Busy, but not congested. I, I, I've seen some congestion, even on the rural there, mate, in some areas. I can't comment yeah. on the 77 yeah. particularly. But it'll be interesting to see how... And bear in mind, we've just come through the Easter holidays as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to watch over the next few months, next year or so, to see how things know, come back. Just a quick thing. Do you know what, when I look and watch heavy traffic, do you know what the majority of the vehicles are? Was it white, white vans? It's and, vans. Yeah. There's so many vans. Yeah. You know, there's and there's nothing against it because these are people. These are folk running I their mean, businesses and trying to get yeah. about. They need to use the roads. Yeah. I mean, LGV you know? traffic. I think is it's, through it's the roof. So, the and that's maybe years. something that they just never envisaged in some cases. Well, back, back if in the people day. aren't going to go to the shops, 
themselves and they're all closing down. They need down. it delivered. It has to get to them somehow, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and ultimately that's coming by vans. And, that, and you know that's that's a trade-off. You know, is that a discussion people are having? You know, the you know the high street's dying off because people aren't driving to go to the high street, Ex and people go, "That's wonderful. You shouldn't use your car to go shopping anyway." But yeah, but that's fine. But now we've got an Tom Amazon van running up and everywhere. down instead. And you know? if anyone says, "Well, why don't you just use Deliveroo?" and then you yeah. see these crazy Deliveroo cyclists to just just <laughs> run over pedestrians, you know, uh, kind of unabashed aggression. Yeah. Um, so no, it, it's very difficult. But anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll probably we'll probably steer ourselves back to seventy seven. Yeah. Is there anything else we really want to talk about with this road? You know, to be honest, there isn't actually a great deal else to say about it because. Mm. Although it took a while to get built, once it got built, it was fairly, hmm, you know, it's just another road. And um, it well, doesn't, it's, it's not, doesn't have a lot of very interesting features. No, not from our, Glasgow you know, it's like, like Steps Bypass has got the big fancy railway bridge, well, or the Monkland Motorway's got the, the, the Proven Gas Towers, or the Renfrew Motorway's got White, you know, White Cap Viaduct at the Renfrew Bypass, or, you know, the, the M77 doesn't really have any big high profile features that you go, oh, that's wonderful. That's it. Know? I'm looking around yeah. the room, right? And obviously, you've adorned your entire house with pictures of the motorway. Um, and <laughs> oh yeah, the entire thing, yeah. And you look everywhere, and oh yeah, you're right. Renfrew Motorway, <laughs> you know, Woodside Viaduct, uh, the Inner Ring Road, all these kind of things are quite mm -hmm. exciting from the history point of view. Yeah. I don't see one picture no. on your stairs of the M77, <laughs> or you know, I don't, I, I don't. To it's, be honest, it's with a you. functional road. Yeah, it's a functional road, but it doesn't have much else going for it. I would say. Mm. But we, we need, need we need some M77 love, so please okay. please come back and say something if you're listening to this and think, actually, this bit's really cool. This bit's yeah. really exciting. Well, I love the. Do you know what I love when you're coming down that big hill? Yeah, and you see and you see God, that is yeah. a cracking view. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Do you know you know what's going to happen now? We've spoken about 77. We're going to get some questions about what about those 60 mile an hour speed limits? Uh, well, yeah. I, I think know. we've covered this we so covered many them. times of, of, of why that yeah. why that speed no, limit is No there. more on the speed limits. Uh, what so. I was going to say was this this will lead into a refresh of the M77 page. Anybody who follows the website will know that we've recently uh, revisited the M8 and the M74 pages mm -hmm. and we've made detailed route histories available for download. An M77 route history will be available shortly as well a, a revised page with some new images never seen before and that includes images from the southern section. And, uh, Mysterious. Was, we've already section. done a GoPro drive of the M77 mm -hmm. uh, with the camera mounted to the roof of a vehicle. All right. Uh, so that's all coming as well with some information overlay. So watch out for that. But I think on that note, I think it's quiz time. I think it is quiz time. Yeah. I'm sitting here poised with the questions, yeah. uh, Stuart. So first of all, just a lead in from these. So these uh, these came from Dan Stephen. Okay. Who uh, seems to be an avid listener. So oh, uh, of these things, he says he loves the podcast, good. and that's great because we love you too, Dan. <laughs> um, so he, he says he's not from Glasgow, but you know he, he goes through some of the things. But he has some great questions. Okay? It's good that people listen who are not from Glasgow. I know. I think that's great. We've checked some of the figures, and people from all around the world yeah. listen to it. You know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, it's only available in English, so we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to learn some other languages. Yeah, we'll have, have to a global you, reach. Yeah, you'll have to go and do some courses <laughs> and, and, and come back. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, the first question he has got um, looks like about six here. Um, first question for you, Stuart. <clears throat> what's wrong with the M90? What's wrong with the M90? <laughs> well, what's right with the M90? <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is wrong okay. with it? Because yeah, you do bash it. There's a perception that I'm an M90 hater amongst many of the, of the listeners. I may have not been very kind about the M90 in some of our earlier podcasts. Right. I would perhaps choose my words a bit more carefully now. Uh, now, now that you've been educated yes, about uh, it, yes, of course. Yes, 
my problem with the M90. Okay, I think the M90 is a, a fantastic road that is a very quick link between Edinburgh and Perth. However, the fact that a long section of it doesn't have hard shoulders has always mm-hmm. annoyed me. Right, substandard. In yes. Place. Yep. I, I don't believe it deserves to be a blue line on a map. <laughs> okay. And I, I am also ever so slightly peeved by its southern approach to Queensferry Crossing. Yes. I, From a traffic point of view, I don't think it works as well as perhaps it could. Yes. I don't know how much we want to go into that, but I, um, I see... I see what you mean, to yeah. be honest with you. But the M90 also has some very nice features, like yes. Craig End. I, I appreciate and fake Bailiston. Yeah, fake, fake. fake Bailiston <laughs> up at Craig End on the M90. <laughs> Junction 10? Junction 10. Uh, has some structures that, that look like they were actually meant for Bailiston. That's deliberate because it was Babti who designed them as That's well, right. and they also designed Bailiston. And what about those bends and the hill? Yeah, and that great, there's a gradient, steep gradient up there as well. Very, but, yeah. very steep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've obviously uh, we have a podcast on the M90. Yeah. Um, so anyone who's listening wants to know more about this terrific road, yeah. you can go back and yeah, and you find did a lot of research on that road. Yeah, yeah. I so but, I think again it was one of these things, or maybe it was in the news a lot, wasn't it? And yeah. you just heard a lot about it, and it, it wasn't Glasgow, so you didn't. Yeah, you didn't like my it. appreciation for that road has has come on a bit based on some of the research we've done, and we yeah. came across basically construction photos for all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of our work with Historic Environment Scotland, and then that changed my perspective a wee bit as well. Good. Yeah, so, That's okay. You, have you ever had a bad M90 experience? Uh, no, never. Okay, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a Dan question, that was just for okay. me. But no, yep. okay. So, um, your hate was unjustified. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> might, even be, might even be willing to admit that, actually. <laughs> question two. Okay. He says, I see a lot around on Sabre, now, for anyone listening who wonders what Sabre is, that is uh, a forum for road enthusiasts. Yes. Okay. So he says, I see a lot around on Sabre, and also a few people who have asked before about the M8 between Glasgow and Edinburgh being upgraded to dual three-lane motorway. I used to think this was a great idea, but a few questions I have related to this are... Okay, so his first one is... Okay. Do you think it is worth the expense to upgrade the entire route considering lane hogging being such a problem on such roads it could effectively just operate as a two lane motorway anyway okay well I'll answer that one before you give me the next one yes i would say it's it's not really for me to decide whether it's uh, suitable or appropriate to upgrade that to three lanes in each mm-hmm. direction but what i would say from again from a traffic point of view traffic engineering point of view the addition mm-hmm. of a third lane would remove the issue of overtaking heavy goods vehicles that, that can delay other vehicles. Yes. So, you know, heavies are then restricted to lane one and two, mm-hmm. and then you've got the third lane, which would then allow faster moving vehicles to pass. Yes. Like you have in the M74, say, south of Junction 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you've got a lot of heavy goods traffic. It makes a less frustrating and more consistent driving experience. Yes. Yeah. But whether that justifies the expense on its own, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because, again, it would all depend on COVID recovery and what traffic looks like in a year's time. Okay. Are as many people going to be driving to Edinburgh every morning to get to work who aren't key workers? You know, Perhaps. Uh, uh, maybe office workers won't be on the road every morning now. Because there'll be three out of five days a week they'll be... Yeah. Okay. So, you know, so these things need to be considered, I think, can, in, in the longer term. Can I, uh, can I weigh in a little bit on course, this one? Of course um, you can. If, if using that rationale of, oh, it removes uh, the problem of HGVs, elephant racing, yeah. is what it's called, why bother making a third lane anyway? And why not just go and say, 
actually, there's an HGV overtaking ban. Yeah. They'd done that on the A14, and it made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah they ended up upgrading bits of it to three-lane, but, yeah. you know, it, it was something to that deal with that problem. could be an interim measure that could be trialed to, yeah. to see, uh, you know, determine uh, if it was effective. Th- 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 people have made this argument before about adding lanes to existing motors. It's just another lane that people would sit in, mm. um, to be honest with you. But, you know, people should... People should know how to drive. At least you keep yeah. left unless you overtake. Yeah. You know, I, I sound like Nick now, but you know, know. That, that's the way it is. So the other part of his question is, are there any sections of the Glasgow system which suffer as a result of people always sitting in the middle? I, I think that would be very difficult to determine. Um, if anything, there are parts of the Glasgow system that are designed to keep people in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if you think of the section from Proven, M80, all the way through to Plantation, Really, the only way you can get through all that if you're continuing ahead is to stay in the middle. It's to stay in it's three, the, four, and five. It's the people who are out on the outsides mm-hmm. that are ultimately causing the problem by cutting in and creating weaving and, and conflicts mm-hmm. that are actually causing the problem there. Would would middle lane hogging be a problem in its own? Well, I, again, Nick would be the best person to comment on this because there's obviously clear, clear reasons why you don't want middle lane hogging. Mm-hmm. But from a traffic point of view, from a, a functionality point of view, I think there's sufficient capacity and space on the M8 through Glasgow that actually whether one person sitting in the middle or a couple of people are, I don't think it's going to affect its efficiency too no, much. I I think people make a lot of hoo-ha about this middle lane hogging, but actually it is more of a problem on rural long-distance routes where you have um, junctions that are far apart. In an urban motorway setting where you have the... Uh, junctions very close together yeah a lot of people know oh well hold on if i'm in lane one here it's going to drop in less than a mile yeah you know so i may as well just stay in lane two now if you think the most dangerous thing you do in a motorway is actually changing lane yeah. you know if you're reducing the amount of, of times you have to change lane then fair enough i know that plays against sometimes keep left and less overtaking but use your judgment yeah you know where i see it particularly bad this is where i see it is on the section between hillington and govern at yeah. Helling Street. Yeah. People seem to love to sit in the outside lane and stuff like that, especially late at night. You know, oh, it's just because the roads where it's good. So you have to go all one, the way around. One them. of the things that's interesting about Some the M8, if you're yeah. in the westbound M8 and you have just passed Junction 12, mm-hmm. right? If you want to go straight through your through traffic and you're heading for Hillington or the M77 or whatever, you would need to stay in what is lane three at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, after Junction 12, of course, it's four lanes and one yeah. drops off. So if you were in lane three, that's the only lane that continues all the way through without interruption. Yeah. All of them are dropping here yeah. or coming on here or you're get, gaining. You get gains and then you get drops and then another drop that's and then another drop. And then what was lane three then actually becomes lane one through Charing Cross. And then you've got a gain at Anderson that drops off. And then it then becomes mm-hmm. lane three on Kingston and then lane four on Kingston. And then, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. You know, it's, you it's have complicated. To, so I think the middle lane hoggers are not people who maybe are just not aware, but they're yeah. probably people who are overly aware. Yes. I'm going to stay in the same because I may I, as well. I would I'm not so. justifying it, but I'm maybe no. going a background to, to the psychology behind it. Um, that's uh, Suffer. I don't know. Yeah. Just get around them. Now, you know? I know I know Dan gave us a, a quite a few questions. And I think we'll, we'll speak we'll through. time for one more, I think. Yeah. Well, think we'll okay. Okay. Um, so we've got C here, which, uh, you know, 2C. Do you feel there are any sections of the Glasgow motorway system which could benefit from reducing the number of lanes? I would never be in support of such a decision to do so, but we always hear the opposite being asked about increased capacity, so it mm. could be interesting to discuss the opposite. Okay. So um, taking away lanes, what 
is is there a benefit mm, from doing that? There can be. Because if you have an area where there's a lot of weaving, so thinking of the Kingston Bridge northbound, Mm -hmm. where it used to be five unrestricted lanes side by side, Mm -hmm. and they decided to change it to two separate carriageways, one with two lanes and one with three lanes, they removed a whole load of weaving. And and it it, it actually helped. And it significantly improved conditions in there for for traffic Mm -hmm. and for accident rates. Um, And likewise, where you have other areas where people cut in at the last minute, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you've got a lane drop or whatever. If you, you know, if you were removing that and just having through traffic, mm-hmm. that would probably improve conditions as well. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know one particular section, um, M8, and that is westbound Junction Twenty Seven. There's a very nasty onslip that comes on just onto oh, yes. the White Cart Viaduct. Mm-hmm. I've often thought, is it a good idea just after the offslip to Paisley and mm-hmm. Arkelston? Yeah. Hatch off lane one. And have it so it hatches off lane one, and then you have it just as a gain coming on at the white cart viaduct from B and Q, and that removes this thing where you either have to go really fast or you have to go very slow. Yeah. that's the trick with that slip road. So uh, yeah, that's that's that answers that. Yeah. Um, okay. Now you said he does have another other other couple of pod, uh, of qu- of questions. We might have time for. Can I ask just one more? That he's yeah, asked? you go ahead. Then. You go do ahead. you have any plans to do any special podcasts on motorway routes or systems outside of Scotland? Do we? Yes. No. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about other urban motorways, yeah, we haven't have. we? But a few uh, times. A few but times. I think he's maybe talking about. Oh, are you ever going to do an M6 one? Are you ever going to do an M62 one? Yeah. M25? Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule any of that out, um, but... We are the Glasgow Motorway Archive, yeah, so... Yeah, and, and we'll probably become Scotland's road archive. Um, Pure empire building uh, here. Yeah, in, in the near future. <laughs> I would do English motorways from an interest point of view to do something different, but I would prefer to drive them first to refresh my yeah. memory about them. And so we're, that, we're not experts no. on them, no. There's probably going to be someone we, down south that knows yeah, a heck of a lot we more. We wouldn't be able to give you the same level of detail that we can give you on the Glasgow motorways or the Scottish motorways. Yeah. Um, what we'd have to do, in other words, is maybe bus Chris in uh, yeah. or, or, or yeah. one of the other guys on Sabre to, mm-hmm. to talk about if we wanted to have a, I don't know, uh, you know, an m69 special or something road geek day out yeah yep. something like that okay so yeah i would never rule it out but no no we never it. rule anything out we never we, we never would but yeah we all have other we do have some other priorities first okay. uh, but yeah yeah maybe for the future maybe we could do a an a55 podcast or a, an yeah. m11 an m, podcast an m4 podcast, m4 podcast an m2 yeah. podcast the sections of the m4 that have urban characteristics that, that came around so. the same time as glasgow it could be interesting to do a comparison. you've got me thinking now yeah mm-hmm, yeah anyway yeah, anyway, Dan, I think you had some more questions, but we'll certainly cover those next month. And and sure. if anybody else has questions, of course, please feel free to submit them either via social media or, or via email admin at glasgows-motorways.org.uk. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we have time for this episode, John. It's been great to see you again. It's great to see you, Stuart. Hopefully everybody has enjoyed M77. We have a few more interesting topics coming up. I think mm-hmm. everyone will be quite happy to hear we're doing an A1 podcast very yes. shortly. Back to the East. Yeah, yep. back to the east. So we've got that coming up, and we have some other plans as well, uh, which we'll reveal in due course. Keep an eye on the website; constantly changing and updating and expanding as we go. Uh, in terms of these podcasts, all episodes are available to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, mm-hmm. Podbean, and anywhere else where you find your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Remember, if you can leave a rating, do so. Uh, it gets a wee, a wee bit, uh, you know, uh, notice for us um, if we get some good reviews. Uh, thanks to everyone who's done that so far. Yep, and. While you're at it, 
check out the social media. We're still posting things on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. So go on there and see all the new things. So many great new things, by the way. There's so oh, many yeah. new slides and stuff like that. So yep. don't don't miss out. Yep. Uh, go follow us. I, I've scanned something like 3,000 slides already this mm. year, none of which have been shared yet. So, you know, there's plenty to come. A lot come of touching up there. that needs done. Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, I was also going to say that on YouTube, we have the YouTube channel. There's more material showing up on there as well. So you might want to go on there and have a look. Great. But on that note, thank you again for listening, and we will speak to you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Frank. -bye. Bye